1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Kieran Deal, and Grace Para join me to tackle the following questions. Is there any fixing whatever is wrong with Chris Matthews? Is the next great Hot Pocket flavor schadenfreude? And whatever became of Harvey Weinstein's feel-sorry-for-me walker? Answers to these and more right now. Hey everybody, on Tuesday I discovered there's another way to listen to a bunch of boomers yell at me at the same time Besides shouting Tom Petty sucks into a cheesecake factory You can watch a democratic debate Here to talk more about how the televised spectacle of democracy is a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing Is my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama And ringmaster of her own cat circus, Alyssa Mastromonaco Hello, hey Alyssa. It's so nice to hear a person who isn't shouting. I couldn't shout if I wanted to. That's really nice to hear. Well, um, I'm on five Xanax. Five?
0: Just kidding. Well, I was gonna say
1: that's like a horse dose. That's how much horse Xanax you give like an anxious <laughs> thoroughbred. That's like I don't know about this Belmont Steaks. So, no, here's five Xanax. Well, it's good that you're chill. How are you? How are you feeling today? Um, Aaron.
0: I feel disappointed. Okay, explain. I feel disappointed for a lot of reasons. I think that the news is a dumpster fire. And as if the news isn't bad enough, the pundits who are telling us the news are even fucking worse.
1: Right. The messenger, I mean, I'm not going to say shoot the messenger, but the messenger needs to be reprimanded. The
0: messenger needs a timeout. Let's put it that way, because I really can't listen to people telling me like, like, Aaron, nobody knows what's going to happen. You know that. I know that. We talk about things, I think, very responsibly, like here's what we think. We don't tell people that we know what's going to happen because no one fucking knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so all of these people on television, I mean, well, there's just a whole, a whole bevy of them, right? They're the ones who like to say, I'm very smart. I've seen 30 elections, worked none of them, but I've seen 30 of them. And here's why the white." old man's going to win. And, you know, last night I thought after the debate was just, if we had been pissed before and we had been thinking that the reporting was a bit garbage before, I'd say the post debate wrap up last night was really fucking another level.
1: Did okay. you catch any of it? Well, I just want to say you said disappointed, but it sounds to me like you've got a real bee in your bonnet. Not that there's anything I mean, wrong with that.
0: You know what? I, I, I do. I do. But I was trying to be calm. So I was I was tranquilized. You were like, but the truth is, I can't be tranquilized because it's so stupid.
1: Yeah. So I watched the debate on Tuesday and uh, it wasn't really a debate as much as CBS just let it like the moderators just letting Democrats shout over each other and interrupting them whenever they got to interesting points and by the time it was over I actually had to file a piece uh, for the Daily Beast and so I was just like off I'm not going to listen to any of this after debate spin but I heard that some bad shit went down
0: I would like to do a dramatic reading of an interaction between Chris Matthews and Elizabeth Warren do you mind oh never Okay, great, so Chris Matthews talking to Elizabeth Warren about uh, Michael Bloomberg. Chris Matthews, you believe he's lying? Warren, I believe the woman. Chris Matthews, you believe he's lying? EW, which means he's not telling the truth. Chris Matthews, and why would he lie? Because just to protect himself? Warren, yeah, and why would she lie? That's the question, Chris, why do you assume that? Matthews, I just want to be sure you're clear, you're confident of your accusation. Warren, all I know is what she said and what he said, and I've been on her end of it in the sense of discrimination based on pregnancy. It happens all across this country, and men all across this country say, oh my gosh, he never would have said that. Really? Why why does Chris Matthews want to pick this fight? I mean, Aaron, it's like they will do anything to try to it's like they will do anything to try to just fucking fuck with the women. It's like Amy Klobuchar. They're talking last night. They were talking about Amy Klobuchar should drop out. Really? Why not Mayor Pete? Why Mm -hmm. should Klobuchar drop out? And it's like, look. I think that if everyone's going to scream and shout on television about why Bernie should drop out, well, then maybe like the moderates should look in the mirror and be like, "Mm, I'm going to put country over party here and I'm going to drop out so that the moderates can coalesce around one person. Well, why should the person who drops out be Amy Klobuchar? Mm -hmm. Why are they asking Elizabeth Warren to drop out? It's just also fucking stupid that I can't even it's like you don't even know. I really think I just need a strict diet of like NPR and C SPAN. (laughs) Just the facts, ma'am. I just want the facts. I don't want your opinion as presented as facts.
1: I think that is my TED talk. (laughs) I think that's the problem, though. Like, you and I, um, as women, don't assume that our experiences are necessarily objective facts. Our experiences are true to us, but our worldview isn't necessarily objective, nor should we want it to be. But I think that there are a lot of people in the punditry class who believe that their opinions are the truth. (laughs) That their opinions are the default state and that if everything that is issued from the position of like a moderate white male who, uh, I don't know, is shouting at Elizabeth Warren, that that is some that that's somehow journalistically sound and that's somehow a position of of um, of of prudence. Uh, That's that's uh, the position of the moderates. And I don't feel like I feel like the issue what we're seeing right now is the same thing that we saw in 2016 in the Republican primary where all of these people who are on television didn't quite understand that their positive or negative opinion of a candidate didn't really matter to the people who cared about the candidate. And then the, the less that they seemed to matter, the more they would dig down. I think Chris Matthews is a really good example of that. Like Chris Matthews is so out of touch with what I think young progressive voters are interested in that... Um, And he's so confused by the fact that him shouting something on TV isn't changing people's minds that he's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I think Tuesday night's exchange with Elizabeth Warren is a really good example of that. He doesn't understand that he is not as influential as he wants to be. And he's like, well, what I should do is just yell louder.
0: And, you know, there was a very interesting article that Rebecca Traster did over the summer called Politics is Changing, Why Aren't the Pundits Who Cover It? And the most egregious example in her story was literally Don- Donnie Deutsch, who is a marketing g- a guru, I guess. I Brand have no idea. Every single guru? time I stopped listening to
1: Morning Joe. I mean, it was horrible anyway, but I stopped listening to it because I was like, I can't deal with this. He's like a guy who would be friends with my dad from work, who I'm like, why do you let him come to barbecues at our house? He's annoying. He keeps... Well, <laughs> exactly.
0: He's And he said over the summer, definitively, authoritatively, Elizabeth Warren would lose 48 states if she were the general election candidate. based on fucking what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. It's like... It, it, oh just it makes me really upset and it's really gotten to a feverish breaking point the past couple of days it's like I can't take like their psychodrama and the coronavirus you know what I mean it's like <laughs> one or the other and we gotta we gotta pick our battles here and this virus is real yeah <laughs> they're
1: not I mean the, the one thing that it, that is in common with the coronavirus and with the American political system is that people have no idea what's going on or what's gonna happen. Um, Well done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but it's but it's true. Here's the thing that I think that is dangerous about this. It's not just that these people are making a lot of money by being full of shit and wrong over and over and over again. It's that their presence in the media is poisoning people. And I think that there is a kind of different epidemic going on among people who pay attention to politics uh, by watching cable news. And that is that they are all infected with pundit disease. They're all trying to be pundits based on what they saw people do on TV. So instead of thinking, okay, there's an election coming up. I'm a Democratic voter. What are issues that I care about? And what do the candidates say about those issues? Instead, they're like, what is a guy, uh, an imaginary man in Pennsylvania, who might totally what what is he gonna do (laughs) no what are you gonna do figure out what you're going to do I think pundits have infected people into being like yeah but who's electable who's gonna vote for this who's gonna vote for that and the electability argument is just a it's a complete I mean I don't want to say house of cards it's just like a it's it's something that it has has no foundation and we're trying to build an entire future of our party and our country on it and it's like I don't know Is there any way to get people to disentangle themselves from thinking like a pundit, which just let me let me just say, as somebody who has been paid to go on TV to talk about politics, it's it's something that's entertaining, but it's not something that you should be
0: basing your voting behavior on. And you just have to remember when you're watching the news, they don't know much more than you do. They're just happy to put makeup on and go on television like that. It's, it's, that's the thing. It's like even people who I care about very, very much, who I may or may not be related to, um, (laughs) say things like, no, Alyssa, you don't understand. So-and-so isn't electable. And when I ask them why, somehow a cable news network is involved in the discussion. Mm -hmm. And It's like, imagine, like, I think years ago when we were talking about, even back in 2008, you know, when I was working for the Obama campaign, yeah, there was discussion about who was electable and who could do this and, you know, Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Clinton's a woman and all this kind of stuff. But like, it's really gone to an extreme, I think because they have so many more people to pick apart this time around Mm -hmm. and talk about what is and is not electable. And you're right, just there are people out there who are just parroting what they're hearing on television when, like, they should just vote about what's important to them. It'll mm-hmm. all come out in the end.
1: Also, what you're seeing on television is not a conversation. It is people who are have been selected to participate in a staged, I guess, Series of lines, almost. It's it's like an improv where people are coming in with a point of view. Nobody is changing their mind. New information is not being introduced. It's not a conversation. And a lot of the people that you're seeing on TV are representing a specific set of talking points presented by a specific cause or a specific candidate or by a specific campaign. And it's not, it's not anything that nobody, have you ever watched TV and seen somebody say like, you know what, that's actually a really good point. I've never thought of that. I'm going to change accordingly. No, because no. everybody comes in there. Everybody <laughs> comes in there. I mean, if you're, if you go on cable news, you know this, Alyssa, um, a producer will call you beforehand usually and be like, okay, mm-hmm. what, are, what, do, what are you going to say about this? And That's because the conversations that you're hearing are, for the most part, choreographed. There are things that they're like, we want a conversation that encompasses all these different things. It's it's not real. And I think that because people have convinced themselves that this is this is how smart people get together and talk about politics, that parroting it is somehow them also being smart. But it is not.
0: It is not. It is real world politics 2020 like MTV was the pioneer and now here we are 30 years later and they're trying to recreate it on cable news, which is just casting for conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think one of the things too that's a bit wild is there there is this cable show that would always – it would call me regularly because I live in New York and they're in New York. And I, I one time I was like, well, why do you want me on like the news is about Iran? And they were like, that's fine. And I was like, no, it's actually not fine because I should not be talking to the world about Iran. That mm-hmm. is irresponsible on many levels. And like I've just personally stopped going because I don't want to be pundit disease. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be spreading pundit disease by talking about things and not just closing, I have no business talking about them.
1: <laughs> I think here's the thing, though. I think people, I think voters and people who care about this country do have business talking about issues. Absolutely. But I Definitely, think- Definitely, of course. But I think the important thing to remember here is that the people that you see on TV are also regular people. Many of these regular people's only job is to think about politics. So they don't really have any experience with, you know, being a normal human being. You know, they don't know what it's like to, you know, work teachers hours. They don't know what it's like to have to pick up overtime shifts. They don't really have any friends that work outside the political media sphere. So that's another thing that makes me a little bit crazy. It's like, when is the last time that Chris Matthews, for non-work related reasons, talked to a person from the Midwest who didn't graduate from college. When is the last time? And it wasn't a, a service exchange type situation. I just don't think that these people can be reliable gauges of how people that they never communicate with and are nothing like them are going to think and do. It's it, it, it makes me crazy, Alyssa. I think now I have a bee in my bonnet. Thanks a lot.
0: I mean, right. You understand the bee in the bonnet, man. It's just like, fucking A. Let people be. Like, just... It's just, I just think it's like really disingenuous. And I think that uh, the other thing too is if it's your job to be on television and explain what's happening, you should at least have an intellectual curiosity in understanding what's happening and not just being mad that what you believe is not what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the kind of time when you should look in the mirror and be like, you know what, maybe this job's not for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although,
1: you know what, pundits fucking love going on TV. <laughs> Like they, they love
0: television. It's like they go, they know what they're going to say. doesn't matter really what the question is because they say what they're going to say. And then that's it. And so this is just me begging people who listen to us, America generally, to just like make up your own minds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, think about what you care about. Don't imagine a person and try to think what they care about. And especially don't try to imagine millions of people what they individually care about and then try to figure out collectively how they will act. That sounds like an exercise. That sounds like a way to short circuit your brain, to be honest. It's like to completely not, agree. It doesn't it doesn't work. Um I want to really quickly Transition to another topic that they didn't get to in the debate, um, which I felt was a shame because, I mean, whatever. The moderators fucking sucked. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the courts right now because it's uh, not great. Um, this week, the Supreme Court agreed to hear an appeal by a Catholic foster agency that might lose its license because they refused to recruit same-sex couples to host foster kids. Um The court is going to hear a case that would basically allow religious based organizations like this um, organization, Catholic Social Services in Philadelphia, to um, refuse to place foster kids with gay couples. Um, So that's uh, about 12 steps backwards. But. Here we go, so that sucks. Um, I, Alyssa, did you hear about the Title Ten stuff from this week?
0: Oh, Aaron, please, I have, but but s- sing me the sweet melody of of going back in time.
1: Sure, sure. So we're going back in time. We have built a time machine. Uh, it is shaped like the Trump administration, so it's a very odd shape for a time machine. Um, the Ninth Circuit <laughs> Court this week um, has allowed a Trump administration rule to go into effect that would ban taxpayer funded clinics in the Title nine program for making abortion referrals or for being in the same building as places that make abortion referrals. And this might sound like a pretty simple, I mean, people who are in favor of this rule are like, no, it's not a big deal, but it actually is. Um, It costs a lot of money to relocate your uh, clinic because in the next office over, there's a doctor who talks to patients about abortion. It's basically a gag rule, but in the United States. Um, So that's not great. Um, There's also a, uh, the the, the court is in session right now, and there are five uh, conservative justices and four liberal justices. And Sonia Sotomayor um, pointed out in a dissent last week about uh, immigration that it sure seems like the conservative justices like to capitulate to the Trump administration. And as a result, she was reprimanded by President Trump. All of these things were issues that were not asked about in the debate on Tuesday. So there we go.
0: There, That's it. That's it. And don't forget, let's just like not the kicker here, too, is that uh, Justice Thomas's wife is part of an underground group called Groundswell that is basically just like a group of people writing memos to Donald Trump, telling him who should be purged from the government because they are disloyal to him. Can you imagine, Erin? A time, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband had ever done such a thing, the conservatives would have lit D.C. on fire. First this of all. This is so fucking wild, and it is a footnote right now. First of all, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's
1: husband was a saint. So let's just get that out of the way. Truth, truth. He was an actual saint. Um, yeah, you're exactly right that like conservatives would be, um, I don't know, screaming in the streets and running around and demanding bad faith uh, accommodations for them um yeah that sucks jenny thomas sucks um if you ever want to take a deep dive into how much she sucks you can check out her wikipedia page because there was one uh time maybe five or six years ago that she called up uh and she called up anita hill and asked her to apologize to her husband
0: you know what i had completely fucking forgot about that
1: i remember seeing that and i was like the nerve of this lady and every single time she's in the news i'm like the nerve the fucking nerve of Ginny Thomas. My God. You almost have to applaud it, but you can't because it's so destructive. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't want this to end on a on a sad note. So do do you want to
0: do a toast? Erin, I feel like you have a really good toast for this week. Okay, I've got
1: a toast. Um, I want to toast Katherine Johnson. The NASA mathematician who um, some of you may have become acquainted with in the film Hidden Figures, she passed away this week at age 101. I think when a person lives to be 101 years old and they pass away, it is, of, of course, it's a loss, but you also have to applaud them for a long life well lived. I want to toast her for that. Um, if you haven't seen Hidden Figures, Johnson worked at, the, at NASA Um, And she made calculations that made it possible for the U.S. to complete the moon landing. She um, did equations by hand because she was such a mathematical genius. And um, she worked for NASA for three decades. She worked on the Space Shuttle and the Earth Resources Satellite Programs. And she also authored or co-authored 26 research reports. She received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2015 from President Barack Obama. And, uh, yeah, 101 years old. What
0: a lady. What a life. And? The current NASA administrator called her an American hero. She is an and American we could, hero. We could use some American heroes right now. So I think, I think that there are some American heroes maybe listening. We're definitely not
1: talking. I, I am I'm, no, I'm no hero. But the, there neither. are probably some people listening that are American heroes, future Katherine Johnsons who can do NASA level math by hand or other levels of math and science by hand or just, you know, be awesome. So, Katherine Johnson, what an inspiration. What a great life she lived. Toast to her this week.
0: Toast, 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 toast. Do you so have many have toast Toaster roast this week, Alyssa? No, nah, my roast was my pundit disease tirade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alyssa, it was great talking to you. I feel like I got a lot of stuff off my chest. I feel like you got a lot Me of stuff too. off your chest. Um, let's move forward with that off our chests and a little bit lighter into next week.
0: I mean, let's do it. Okay,
1: I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, we're back. Now we're a bunch of women sitting around microphones poised to talk about the issues of the day. This is an emotional connection that I'm making with the
2: audience.
1: <laughs> good, Erin. Good. Uh, good. work. I just got back from uh, Mexico and when I was like watching the sunrise one morning, I'm like, that's just a giant ball of gas and the ocean is full of monsters.
2: It's <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? I did see that, but I liked the one where you're like, a bitch goes for a hike with some dogs. <laughs> And I was like, "Wait, I was like, you, it's so random. This post is so random. Mountain bitch. I'm mountain bitch
1: because I will find a mountain if mountain there's one beach. anywhere near it. And, and you'll and scale I will, it? I will walk up it unless I need to put special stuff on my shoes, in which case I'll be like, no, thank you, and turn around and go back down the mountain
3: because the mountain doesn't want me on it. That's a beautiful metaphor for your life as well. If there's a mountain,
2: I shall scale it, Aaron Ryan. But where did the dogs come from? Because in the post, it's just like the third or fourth picture is just a really... Like a pack? It's a pack. <laughs> Where'd the pack come from? It's a pack. It's like, it's like a wolf pack of... Is there like a central casting dogs. for dogs
1: on mountains? Uh, no, but the, before we get to answering those questions, I have to introduce both of you. I feel All like right. people who are long-time <laughs> listeners know how both of you sound because you've been on a lot. You guys are part of the OG crew from... OG? OG from LA. Uh, first up, writer, actor, and activist, and apparently
3: morning person, Grace Kara. <gasps> Good morning! Welcome. It's back. disgust. I know Kieran just, uh, she just recoiled in shame. <laughs> it was disgust. It was disgust. It was disgust. It was disgust. I, I'm a morning person. I'm not um, necessarily proud of it, but you know what? It just feels damn
2: good, guys. It She's
1: not even good. drinking coffee. She's drinking tea because yes. coffee is too much for her. Yeah, it's
2: too much for my for my body. <laughs> it's like SpongeBob when he wakes up in the morning. He's like, another
1: day. <laughs> up next, we have comedian and an actor who has just about had it. It's Kieran Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Hi,
3: I guys. With intros it's, this morning. It's good to see She's
1: you. She's just about <laughs> had it. Guys, I just got back from my bachelorette party. Mm mm-hmm. um, And by bachelorette party, I don't like parties and I don't like the idea of being a bachelorette. Um, But I do love traveling alone and I'd never been to Cabo San Lucas. So I went to Cabo by myself, rented a car and just had a nice time. I didn't do like Cabo, like I'm drinking a two foot tall blue test tube. You know, I wasn't doing that. Um, But I like drove up to this coastal town called Todos Santos
2: and um, I saw baby turtles crawling into the ocean and And um, you had like 14 books with you i feel like you had the brainstorm for this idea around the time of your party you had a bridal oh, shower right. party i think right, it was around right, that time right. that she's like i think i'm gonna do something totally alone yeah hey, <laughs> I you know all I'm these just, people here i don't want any of them yeah she's yeah. like i don't
1: like i don't like yeah. people <laughs> turns out yeah well no people are fine when I was down in uh I was I was down in Los Cabos, I um found via a like trip advisor forum this like mountain that's near this beach that if you go there at a certain time in the morning and you just show up There's a guy who lives there and has like a dog rescue sanctuary at the foot of the mountain. And the guy and his dogs will take you up the mountain. And so there was like 10 people who came. I mean, it's like a fairly well-known thing. Um, There are like 10 people who came and the dogs like led us up the mountain and it was very cute. That's so cute. It was really fun. That was Mountain Bitch and the dogs. Mountain Bitch and Mountain Bitches. Oh, right. you know. I see the bitch and her bitches. Yeah, That's exactly. Cute. But it was really, it was really, uh, it was a fun trip. It was very relaxing. I did read a lot. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch any TV. Ooh. Um, yeah. I was never on the docket in your no. original pitch for this trip. No, no, I, this trip. I read a lot. Um, I wrote a lot and mm. I came and I didn't drink very much, which is like not something people really do. People go down there to like party. Yeah. But I was a, you know, I'm a woman traveling alone and I also had a car. So I'm like, yeah. Not, it's not really good conditions to to drink under. So I was pretty, like, I walked on the beach in the morning and I, like, yeah, I know. I fell
2: in love with myself.
3: <laughs> Sorry,
2: Josh. It yeah. sounds like Stella got her groove back, you know. No,
1: there was no groove lost. My groove was there when I left the States and it was there when I came back from the States. I left my groove behind. It's but not it like a it's a not a great plot. It's little... not a great
2: plot, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's no growth. Yeah, what what the are the arc?
3: stakes, Erin? Yeah, what are the stakes? Where's the ark?
2: <laughs> Where's the ark, Ryan? That's true. Here's what.
1: Here's what the protagonist wants: just everything to stay the same, and that just happens, and that's the end of the story. Wow. Yeah. I mean, people are stressed out. They just want to watch something where nothing happens. Right. You know, it's like uh, Love Is
3: Blind. Is that um, Love Is Blind? I still haven't seen it, but I've, I've everyone's talking about it. Um, hot Pockets lady is in jail. Hot Pocket. Hot Pockets. There, the heiress. There's a. First of all, there, I learned a couple
1: things earlier this week. Uh, first of all, that there's a Hot Pockets family, like a small company. That Mr. Used, and Mrs. Pockets. Pockets. Yes, <laughs> Barbara and Walter Pockets.
2: No, <laughs> Mr. Hot and Mrs. Pocket. Okay, oh, that's yes. right. They're it's a very hyphenated. progressive. Come on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mr. Hot and
1: Mrs.
2: Pockets. I'm glad that the woman gets the
1: Pockets. Yeah. Because we are deprived of Pockets. Um, but there is an heiress to the Hot Pockets, Fortune, mm-hmm. um, whose dumbass kids couldn't even get into USC <sighs> with rich parents. Like if your kids can't even get to into USC with parents rich enough to make huge donations to the college. you will They'll definitely be in over their head if they actually get in and get into the classes because yes. the other kids there are way smarter than them. Anyway, she paid, I think, a quarter million dollars to get her kids into USC. But
3: to, to like a third party, right? Not to the university. Buy the yeah. building. Buy the building. At
2: the point at which you have a quarter million dollars, I mean, buy the building. But a quarter million dollars isn't enough for real estate in Los Angeles, guys? What are you talking about? That's not even a studio apartment here. <laughs> you can buy a garbage can. You can buy a yeah, garbage a can at USC. You know, this garbage can sponsored by... Miss, hot, Mr. hot
3: miss pockets.
2: This is an egregiously expensive city. That woman was on a budget and she was trying to save money. She was like, if I buy she a building, was. that's millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. I'll just do a quick 250. And the, the real lesson here is, is not that they didn't have the resources. They didn't care enough to utilize the resources of their brains. Yeah. They just didn't want right. to. They're like, I'm too rich and I don't care. I'm going to throw money at the problem. The the rules don't apply to me, and I just choose to take a fast lane because I can. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I just don't want to. Mm -hmm. Critical thinking skills, that you
1: need them in order to succeed at a university like the University of South Carolina. Or South Carolina.
2: (laughs) University of Southern (laughs) California.
1: Any either USC on either coast, (laughs) you need to be smart (laughs) enough to think critically. (laughs) Whether you're a Gamecock or a Trojan, both of those (laughs) schools that are USC's have... Penis names for aren't their
2: mascot. Aren't you going to do a... I thought you were going to do a, a jingle shout out for that Gamecock right now.
3: That Gamecock. I, <laughs> <thought laughs> <gonna> like, <laughs> I thought you were going
2: to be like... I thought you were... You know, I can't... You're coming uh, with a sound
3: effect. I don't have a, a good rooster sound effect, well, actually. I Grace, what maybe are you doing? I'll work on that offline. I was just going to add, though, that I just read this about the Hot Pocket scandal, that uh, they spent 100000 of that $250,000 having a proctor correct the daughter's ACT exam. Not even the SAT. The ACT. I didn't take the SAT. I just took the ACT. Really? Yeah. They should call it The Act. <laughs> they should call it The Act. 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 That, you know what? That's what the name of the eight-part miniseries on Hulu is going to be called. Act. The Act. act. The Act. Oh, that name's already taken. Name's already taken. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Um, I did, I did want to say,
1: this is something that... I mean, people don't think things through is Mm -hmm. my main problem with this whole thing. It's like, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen to your stupid fucking kids when they get into the school that they're not smart enough to get into? They're not athletes. They don't have the support of like the athlete learning center that helps people who maybe aren't academically at the same level as people at other elite colleges succeed in classes. Like at Notre Dame, we had a very intense athlete center. And as a result, our athletes were very successful academically Mm -hmm. once they got into School. Mm-hmm. What do you think is gonna happen to your dumb fucking
3: kid? Like what what we're
2: but gonna buy many-
3: our way through the rest of it, Aaron. <laughs> you can't uh a 50 <sighs> Not- here, a 200 here. No, I mean, I yeah, I uh, I mean there's only so many communications one on one classes that can be taken. Like it, at some point you
2: have to progress. It right? makes me think of how many problems money must have solved for them to think that no, no, we'll really just plow through with the same strategy. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually think that the reason that you think that that's a strategy that will work is because that is a strategy strategy that has worked in 85% of your life, and you found that effective, and we just don't know all those insane examples, because we're not privy to how insane the examples are. That's possible. Conspiracy. Uh, Uh,
1: Morning conspiracy. Speaking of somebody who uh, money has always been able to work for, but stopped working... (gasps) Harvey Weinstein, convicted rapist.
2: We gotta we gotta talk about that this week. I thought you were gonna do a slower clap there. Oh, well, it was a pretty that's that's a that's a pretty slow clap for me in the morning. <laughs>
3: Regular clap.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm toning it down for the <laughs> sake of our listeners. I think
1: Harvey Harvey the thread that connects Harvey Weinstein and Hot Pockets, um apart <laughs> apart from the fact that both are
3: fucking disgusting, <laughs> is that um but have like a little bit of our hearts from the mid '90s.
2: Yeah, like, a li- there's something a that's little a little nostalgic bit nostalgic. Element. It's like, yeah.
1: well, you know, I did you know Miramax did do some Okay things, and I did I was hungry that one time I had a hot pot. <laughs> um,
2: here's the thing. Uh, delightful cheese inside of a crusted pastry. what's not to love? Exactly. I like food, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just have a Calzone. Just have a fucking.
2: Calzone. Sometimes Calzones aren't available, Aaron. <laughs> okay. you Sometimes know what? I'm uh, not what? inside of my fr-
3: mom's freezer. I will also say that I don't like lean pockets. <laughs> I don't, I mean, Lean Pockets are, I don't know why I'm talking about Lean Pockets anyway.
1: Yeah, we've got Har- Harvey we do, <laughs> we Weinstein. We do, we do, we uh, do. Harvey Weinstein, convicted by a jury in New York of two of the five charges that were against him okay. from, Um, I, I don't want to say old rape cases, but one of, uh, or two of the 90 women who have come forward to accuse him of <laughs> sexual misconduct, successfully pressed charges against mm-hmm. him, and now he faces 25 to 29 years in prison. Um I want to ask you guys what do you did you expect that to happen? Did you expect him
3: to be convicted of anything? Yes. Yeah, I did and I was delighted that he was. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I think um you know, there <clears throat> it feels like at least we we're seeing somebody brought to justice in this Me Too movement. And though it is just one person and though he may not be indicative of the you know the, the 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 direction that the rest of the uh, people in the country in the world who've been accused of, of heinous crimes like this have uh, you know the justice that they may be brought to. I do think that uh, you know it's it's nice seeing him have to go to jail. It's good. I I think it's upsetting he didn't get life, but to him, you know, 25 years probably is the rest of his life, so that's satisfying to an extent. Um, I'm more curious about what this says about the
2: movement going forward, though. Mm -hmm. What Uh, do you guys think? I, I... I th- I thought he was kind of like, because he was the impetus for the entire thing to start, he was kind of enemy number one. He's like kind of in this category of what I would describe as hella evil. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's like when, when all the blondes come out against you. I mean, it's an Uma. There's a, I think there was a Kidman in there. You know like what I mean? Gwyneth. Like, there was a Gwyneth. Gwyneth. There yeah. was, I mean, the jade egg pussy lady. I mean, yeah. th- is in there. that you got multiple, you know... A lot of America's sweethearts, plural, are like coming out against Mira you. Mir Sorvino's career got tanked because yeah. of him. This is enemy number one in so many ways. It's like the equivalent of a, of what Cosby was because the it was so many. It's such an anomaly in the fact that it's it's uh, many generations. Like it's been happening for decades. Uh, it's been ignored for decades, and then it's like the charges are so extreme and egregious, and there's so many of them, mm-hmm. and then it became so public, and then it became kind of like a like a a, a war crime. I think it was like it was a it was a societal breaking point in a way that we haven't seen mm-hmm. really in terms of starting the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. So to me, it wasn't. It, I think it would have been particularly egregious if he hadn't been convicted of anything. It was like, yeah, this this doesn't feel like there should be backlash because this feels like such a an extreme. um Example of yes. what someone was able to get away with for so long. Clear villain. Yeah, it's such a. It's, There's no it, rooting for this it, guy. It feels like there isn't a tremendous amount of gray. Yeah, and then his like categorical denial and all yeah. of the interviews leading up to it, and his female lawyer and oh the Walker. Yeah. You know the Walker and the being taken to the hospital and the now I'm a feeble old man bit. You know, yeah. yeah, although magically his guilty conviction cured him
1: of needing a walker because he walked out right. of the courthouse without one. There's footage of him you yeah. know, being taken
2: away in, in cuffs and he's, he's and walking then also, just fine. I would have go, loved it if he took the walker and he just like beat it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> just <like laughs> fucked his walker. Just see a little bit of like unmitigated rage. And he was like, there he is. There's yes, our guy. That's I, that's I, the, there he is. I thought Harvey. it was interesting
1: that um, the thing is like, it's not the public that got to choose whether or not he was convicted because I think that public opinion was obviously like, yeah, fucking throw this guy in jail. Sure, he's a monster. He's a, he is hella bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was up to a jury. Hella evil. Hella, hella evil. evil. Hella evil. Come on, hella evil. Sorry, my my memory's shot. <laughs> um, so, but the jury was seven men and. Five women, five women, which I right. thought was interesting mm-hmm. as well, that like a jury that was majority male was able to see okay. the harm that he did, see the pattern of harm that was established during the trial and was able to side on the, the side with the people who survived him. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I also thought, man, right now, like even just um, on Wednesday, his lawyers were saying um, He's experiencing heart palpitations. He, uh,
2: He's, he's taken directly to the hospital after the verdict. Right? Same. Yeah. I experience heart palpitations every morning. Well, that's just called an existential crisis, honey. <laughs> that's just, you're just living. Yeah, you're just on yeah. this earth. Heart palpitations Pssh. and high blood
1: pressure. Same. But the thing the thing that somebody pointed out on Twitter was like, yeah, wow, well, it sounds like a, that's something that happens to people who have survived sexual assault, that they experience oh, yes. uh, panic attacks Zing. and that it's, it's difficult for them. Um Do you think that, um, do you think there's any downside to this, to his being convicted? I mean, he's got to come to the to L.A. now and do it. So it's going to be oh, that's right, that's uh, West right. Coast circus as well.
3: You know, I mean, a, a, uh No, I mean, not for the not for the the women who the very brave women who have come forward with their stories. There is not. I don't think there's a downside. Um, I do think that uh, you know, Kieran, you brought up the, the Walker situation. I, I do think that um, people using health and age as a kind of scapegoat for themselves is is a concern. You know, that maybe we we don't know what his health actually is, but it just feels. Like it's a big excuse, and a big, Cosby did that too, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that it's a big decoy. Oh, I'm just so old and feeble now. Oh, like I don't know where that came from suddenly, but I hate that because that really is taking advantage of a demographic of people, an aging demographic that we have here in America that is that really does need help, you know, and that does not need Harvey Weinstein to be part of part of that part of that group at all, and mm-hmm. a spokesperson for them, or you know, it, it's. And I also think um, I don't know. The downside is that we all know who Donna Ratana is now, and that's pretty bad. Uh-huh yeah, that is true. Uh, his lawyer fucking sucks. Have you seen her any of her media appearances, Karen?
2: I don't think I've watched them. I've only read I've only read clips, but oh, I got the essence. Oh, yeah, oh, I got yeah. the essence from the words. yeah from the the words did it. but I can imagine that the I can imagine that the performance itself is like is like really dark, bad sketch comedy.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that her being a new public figure is just. I first time I read an interview with her, I was like, I can see her future opening up. I can see a future of her being the next Judge Janine and doing having a whole yep. show on Fox about how men are being victimized by women who say that you know. And yeah. I, I think that there's a whole new kind of facet of the of the Me Too movement that is unfortunately, women who come forward being subject to legal challenges by the men that they've accused. Mm -hmm. Like we're seeing women being sued for libel for accusing men of sexual misconduct. um,
2: And that that seems very worrisome to me. Structurally, our courts have never really been made to convict sexual assault in a way that uh, has been cogent over the past several decades. That's why uh-huh. so many women didn't come forward for so long. It's why so many people don't want to be re-traumatized through going through, you know, the jury situation. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just... And, you know, you look at something like Kavanaugh that just happened. It's like, yo, you're like forcing me to come forward. And it's like, oh, we don't care. We've, there's, been, there's been such a narrative of like, we don't care what happened to you, even if like the public opinion has been like... We do care mm-hmm. that that in terms of what happens politically or what happens through our official channels, um, our justice system hasn't caught up, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think the fact that it hasn't caught up is why women resort to things like whisper networks or, you know, doing interviews, like going to the media or, you know, because if these women who accused Harvey Weinstein hadn't had Ronan Farrow and the two New York Times reporters yeah. who broke the story uh, at that outlet— um, who's to say that this would have happened at all? Right. Like the just, like you're saying, Karen, the justice system just is not equipped to handle sexual assault. And I think when people go through the media, they it's just like you run the risk of being exposed to bad faith actors like Donna Rotunno who want to take the fact that you came forward as a way to sue you.
3: You and also run a risk mm-hmm. uh, of being, of, I mean, the, the women's names who come forward. Now that's their whole identity too. It's not just like, oh, Weinstein, you know, he's convicted of whatever. It's all of those women, the first thing that happens when you Google them is those accusations and those stories. And that becomes their entire identity too.
2: Or legacy it feels well, yes, like a legacy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah.
3: that's that's a negative consequence that is that's unfortunate that you know what when you utilize the channels of the media, that's what happens. Versus, you know, ideally we have a justice system that that protects the people who come forward. Um, but unfortunately because it's working in tandem with social media, which is a way to bring some sort of like, you know, vague, at least like p- popular justice to people, it 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 does not afford protections for women who come forward.
2: Mm-hmm. And then it's, so it's not, I don't find it particular. like, it's like, it, it reminds me of like economics, right? It's like somebody will implement a law mm-hmm. or an idea, <clears throat> and then there's like all this backlash as a result of it, because people people. And like, they're going to find workarounds that work for them. And Mm -hmm. if a system is set up and is in place that has been there to work for you if you're wealthy, if you're powerful, if class is on your side for a long time. It's not particularly like, it's like, there is a little bit of a thing like where it's like, ah, oh, I didn't see it coming. Do you know what I mean? To like the, oh no, you're suing them for libel. I was like, there's part of me that's just like, damn, didn't see it coming. And then it's also like, oh, but of course you would. Uh, oh, right. of course that would have been the move. Right. Why wasn't I thinking three steps ahead? Of course that would be the move. Why wouldn't you use the same court that is supposed to be defending women to silence them? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in. speaking Speaking of people using the
1: tools at their disposal, like I think a lot of times I remember there was something in New York um, when I was still living there where there was like a a, a uh, improv theater mm-hmm. where a group of female comics talked about a member of a, the improv theater being somebody who had sexually victimized them and mm. do you remember that yes i do yeah, yeah. and it and it to- i don't and know it the was... people the individuals involved but i remember yeah, the story. yeah i remember i remember the people it was like and it blew up on facebook and i think mm-hmm. it started as a way for women to warn each other nobody was like trying to like ruin him or anything like that they were just like hey this guy's creepy stay away from him and then the more people learned about it the more it became like an effort like I didn't know that this particular improv theater had its own like court system yeah like yeah. a school would you know it was like they, they had like this whole anyway it was it ended up being this massive mess and it had started with women just trying to warn each other so like how do women I How do women warn each other now if, you know, men like Harvey Weinstein are being convicted after, you know, threats and after these women had their lives completely now recolored by this case? How do that's and that's the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we warn each other when
3: there's somebody in a community that we're a part of who is hurting people? So part of it, I think, has to be institutional change within schools, within industries, unions, unions have to come forward and be places where women can can go to say, hey, this has happened to me. How do I prevent this from happening? I think that it, it goes beyond just the whisper channels that you're mentioning. And like, for example, you know, the unions in, in Hollywood, like SAG, WGA. I mean, not to put them on blast by any means. And I know that they do have, w- you know, options for people to come forward if they're experiencing harassment. But it's really scary for women. And I don't think that many women know where to turn and where to go if these things happen. So the school you're talking about, That's an example of there needing to be a group of people to go to, to complain about these things or talk them through or figure out, you know, just have an authority figure within those smaller communities to go to. It's no longer this, you know, era of Hollywood where, I mean, this was the case for decades and decades and only recently starting to change, where there weren't even HR departments for TV shows. There weren't HR departments on set for movies. There weren't HR departments for, you know, most of how the industry is run. That has to change. Even, you know, an office as small as four people should have some sort of you know, HR department or somebody to go to. I know that sounds really like structural and boring and blah, blah, blah. And that's another part of it that we have to get used to talking about. HR and places for people to go to within institutions. That's not just whisper channels, because mm-hmm. that that alone is 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 not reliable. I do think
2: that there's something incredibly powerful and valuable about seeing externalized consequences. Seeing seeing what happened to Harvey. Seeing that a titan can fall. Seeing that somebody can get pulled out of their job. Yeah. You know, seeing that that's happening in a visible way. I think it does make people think twice about their behavior. I think stand up. I think stand up comedy has yeah. changed as. I think actually the landscape has changed. The way people treat each other has changed. Hmm. Like what is acceptable has changed because, because there's some and there's some fear. Do you know what I mean? That it's like, oh shit, you can't just do what you used to do. At least like things might become more coded or more. Um, Insidious, do you know what I mean? But like, in terms of that, like that blatant kind of bullshit, it's like people are going to think twice about that behavior when it's like, oh fuck, bitches are going to be talking about me behind my back. Women like it when you call them bitches, but that's just, <laughs> especially if you're a man. Yeah. You can call yourself a bitch. That's, and it's that's fine. cool. Mountain bitch. Mountain bitch over here. But, but Mountain bitch and morning bitch. <laughs> I agree
3: completely, Karen, with that. My my concern though with with the direction of consequences is. <sighs> You know, I, I believe in, in the idea of restorative justice. I want to believe that men who m- have made mistakes and truly want to change can and should have the space to do that. But what's the structure to allow them to do that? How much time do they need to be away? Who's guiding the structure to then bring them back into the fold? All I know is that the idea of somebody of, of Weinstein being, you know, convicted and then still having a production company, or Les Moonves, who I think has a production company that's partly funded by CBS, these things are still happening with men who have even gone through legal channels and through social media and popular channels of being of being um, shunned mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you bring in a structure that allows for restoration but a reformation rather but um still like forces people out of the limelight for a while and forces them to really experience Needing to be pulled back. I
1: mean, that's a great question. Right now in Maryland, there is a man running for a, a Democratic congressional seat. Who, when he was the president of the NAACP, um, he had a, a, an alleged an alleged sexual harassment incident led to a hundred thousand dollar payoff to a woman. Now that was a while ago, right? And now he's probably going to win this uh, this congressional seat, and he will be serving under Nancy Pelosi as a member of the Democratic caucus. The Democrats have said that they don't have any tolerance for sexual harassment among their ranks. And this was something that happened a long time ago. Another example is Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, he has yeah. his, his longtime partner at a, a Women for Mike rally in Texas. His longtime partner said uh, that the allegations of sexual harassment against Bloomberg, so this isn't like he was, he wasn't like touching anybody, but he was saying some right. like shitty things. Um, mm-hmm. She said, get over it because it happened 30 years ago. Now, Look, get over it is an awful thing to say when it comes to sexual harassment and misconduct. But on the other hand, it did happen 30 years ago. And I'm not saying that that means that we should... Discount move it. past right. it or not mis- move past it. But that's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, do how do we, you know, how do we establish that somebody who had a sexual misconduct allegation against them when they were running the NAACP is now reformed enough to be a congressman? How do we establish that somebody who was a, a saying really stupid sexist jokes when he was running a company is now ready to be president?
2: This is it severity? Severity is very important. Se- yeah. Sever- severity and context and timing. Like, yeah. one of the things that happens with me too is like these people aren't all the same. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody who is categorically like drugging and raping women consistently, it's not the same as saying, saying jokes. saying shitty jokes mm-hmm. those are two different things and I think one of the big dangers is that it all gets lumped together as like oh it's all me too and like as we move forward the idea of finding the gray between okay what actually happened in this particular instance what is this person's track record in general like it's a it's, it's holistic and it's looking at con- contextually looking at what a picture is mm-hmm. and then I think second I and and I hear that that argument about restorative justice is important, but the one that's more important to me is a lot of people didn't have opportunities to even get those shots from the jump. What are we doing to establish a new generation, a new set of voices, um, and and bring up and laud the next set of people who are going to push the narrative of this country forward? You know, because it's like there are so many women who just didn't get those shots. So it's like, I'm not super worried about like... Les Moonvez, like right. him being supported by CBS, when I know that there's a ton of talented female writers who would do great with a development deal and a fuck ton of money if you gave them a shot. Grace Parra, Karen Deal, Aaron Ryan. <laughs> oh, but not Aaron Ryan. <laughs> no, I said no, it. it's, no, I'm too busy. I can't do it right now. Um, I, can, I can barely put a sentence together.
3: I'm, I uh, Yes, t- to that point, Karen, I, I think that in the midst of this conversation, are are the institutions that protected Harvey Weinstein's protecting others right now? How do we, how do we... How They're protecting we... themselves. Yeah. The, the, of course. And the, Because a
1: lot of those people, I mean, not to interrupt you, but a lot of those people who were like turning a blind eye to it and totally knew about it are still like sitting in executive offices yeah. in different networks and production companies and at studios. And like... I And and I think I I hate this. I mean, I like this moment because I think I'm glad that fucker is going to jail probably. Um, But I also hate it because now I feel like a lot of people are running under the banner of me too. like, yeah, we did it. And it's like, yeah, you did it. You did it. And now you're saying, oh, we fixed it. It's like you don't get to brag about solving a problem you caused, you know? And I feel like there's yes. a sort of a thread in Hollywood, like agencies that are trying to take up the mantle of being like, we're fighting harassment. It's like, you fucking made this happen. Mm-hmm.
3: Like, how dare you pretend that you're the solution and not the cause? Uh, There's a lot of posturing. You're right. There's a lot of posturing, especially in this particular industry. And by the way, this is only one industry in which harassment and 100%, abuse is happening. Totally. This is not indicative of most other industries where harassment is still very much a problem. And I don't know what's happening in the restaurant industry. I don't know what's happening in the literary industry. I don't know what's happening in engineering. I don't know what's happening in STEM. And 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 that's what's tricky about this I'm sure everything movement. is fine. In this <laughs> Everything's yeah, fine. Philo- like yeah, the male-female ratio. Philosophy
2: departments. Yeah. <laughs> philosophy department. Of some of the highest rates of harassment in the country. Is that is, true? I just yes. laughed, and, and it's like I didn't mean the to. fucking irony. But the fucking irony of that when you're like, I can't believe people would posture. And I was like, philosophers, the ones who are determining what the landscape of like human thought, morality thought and thought look right, like, right. are one. Are some of the that those are some of the most prevalent male-dominated departments uh-huh. in the country, where women are like excluded, left out, and harassed. Yeah. Like, I mean, talk about posturing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is a very. I mean, if you dig deep enough, it's a very prescient and constant human quality across Mm -hmm. the board. It's one of the issues I really struggle to like people. Yeah. Yeah. Just me personally. I'm like, well, this is... This is all a mess. We all do it, though. I think it's like it's trying to have some empathy for the fact that we all have some version of like hypocrisy in our lives, Mm -hmm. something we believe in and then something that we do that's different than what we believe in, whether it's your use of plastic or, you know, I drive a car that's, you know, got gas in it when I know that the environment is exploding. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of shit. So it's like, how can you try to have some version of empathy just like from an individual perspective? And then what can we do over time to Mm -hmm. institute these structural changes and understanding the the media is a very powerful voice in like having these conversations. And it has caused places like in, you know, for astronomy, it's like now there's like a but this was years ago that they beat Hollywood. You know, they have a a women's conference every four years where it's like they talk about microaggressions and the shit that's going on and like has and started to open out the conversation, how you can deal with it, how you can be an ally and start to change the culture not just top-down, but bottom-up. Does mm-hmm. it feel, though,
3: that every industry has to do it themselves? for, And, and then every every industry under I a, feel underneath like it's that sub-industry? Things. Two things have to happen at once. And there has to be change from the bottom-up and the
1: top-down, and they have to kind of meet in the middle for mm-hmm. it to actually yeah. take. And that's what's challenging about it. Because we need, like, you know, structural change in each individual industry, but then the what is culturally accept everybody who's going into whatever industry they're going into has to have an internalized idea that harassment and misogyny are so not okay mm-hmm. with them that they would take action to stop it mm-hmm. like it's not that not it's not like,
2: chill <laughs> it's not chill but but what i will say is like when i um like to you know contextually, like historically, it's like just remember like when I get really down about stuff or like, oh, it's too big, we'll never fix it, blah, blah, blah. Look at the change that's happened even within the last two years. Yes. You yes. know, when when something hits a breaking point. And also remember that it was the only in the nineteen seventies in the United States of America that women could own credit cards without having a husband on the bank account. Mm -hmm. Like that's like. That's demonstrable change. That is demonstrable. Like that's from the 70s. Mm -hmm. So it's like just think about contextually. That's 50 years. You know, like that's like it's been a blink Mm -hmm. historically in terms of the eye of, you know, and that change is happening rapidly. And just remember, we're supposed to be heading towards a better. That's why the
3: Weinstein verdict is, is hopeful. You know, yes, he is just one person. He is hella, hella evil. What was it? Yeah, hella evil, hella, hella evil, evil. <laughs> but but it does it does signal what I hope will be a trend of change going forward. Well, yeah, let's hope for it because I really want to see more fuckers like that in jail. Love seeing
1: fuckers go to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only the only demographic of people that I'm like, good, go to jail, fuckers <laughs> like like rich people who pay for their kids to get yeah. into colleges that they don't deserve to be in because yeah. they're taking some other kid's spot and sexual harassing monsters in whatever industry they're from like Steve Wynn want to see him in jail after what he did to all the people who worked at his casinos in yep. Las Vegas should be in jail Harvey Weinstein throw the fucker in jail Bill Cosby jail yeah. everybody else should be let out of jail <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you should all the remain. murderers you say yeah they're that fun as long as they don't like cat call me yeah I'm okay with. yeah it. yeah yeah <laughs> all the rest of them party at Aaron's house (laughs) murder (laughs) party okay we have to we have to take a quick break from this murder party murder party and uh, when we come back we'll do the Hills Will Die On
0: guys it's been a rough year it's gonna get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst
1: And we're back. We're at the part of the show where we take very petty stances on things that don't really matter. We just like yell at nothing. These Mm -hmm. are things that we practice yelling at in the shower or in the mirror when we're getting ready. And yeah, it's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with a listener hill. Hi, Hysteria. This is Mary from
2: San Francisco. And the hill I'll die on is fuck grocery store self-checkout. It's a sleazy union busting trick. They're using them to cut out express lines and you can't use them to buy alcohol. But all I wanted was a fucking bottle of wine and a bag of pretzels, asshole. <laughs> Seriously, grocery store worker is one of the last solid union jobs in America. So let's help our dem brothers and sisters and boycott that fucking lane. Thank you.
1: I mean, wow. the alcohol thing really gets me. Like at the Whole Foods 365 in uh, Silver, Silver Lake. Lake yeah. yeah, you can't. T- it's yeah. It sucks. Yeah. You know what? I've never really thought of it that way. But Mary in San Francisco, I think that I can get on that hill with you. It's fair. There's an ease about it that I
3: appreciate and respect, but you
1: know, I expect. Don't... Kieran is probably like. Sometimes I just don't want to talk to a person. That's what's going yeah.
2: through. No, no. I have a wine a lot, and I I don't <laughs> like doing stuff. So I mean, no. I'm I'm on board. I'm on board with Mary. Yeah, she's from Fran- San Francisco. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Does anybody who wants to start? Do you have a hill? Chris? I have a hill that I'd like to die on this week that I've died on. In conversation in the past, but I don't know that I've done it here. Okay. And I would like to tell everybody out there that I never purchase ladies shaving things. Not razors, not shaving cream, and it's because they don't work as well as the guys' shit. So I always buy the two dollar Barbasol, and I lo- and I've tried the other stuff. I've tried the mail order things. I've tried the ladies, you know, fancy, the pink shit that you find that are specifically for ladies, which by the way are more expensive than the gentleman stuff, and they don't last as long. And I think it's all bullshit. All the ladies shaving things needs to be they need to be tossed away and make the the gentleman stuff unisex. Make it for everybody, make it the only stuff that people use. And that's the hill I'm gonna die on. I, I just think masculinity is so fragile that it couldn't stand a unisex product <laughs> like that.
1: I mean, it, can, it can't even buy, can, can't even get men to buy co- like Diet Coke unless they're like, we're gonna make it black and call it zero. <laughs> like, it's just it, the product, would designed for men have to be like, no, you're still a dude. You're a dude, bro. You're still a dude. Yeah. You're still a dude even though you're eating yogurt. <laughs> this is extreme yogurt. <laughs>
3: I just I think that's a very optimistic. T- they're not. It is. Do that. It is optimistic. It is optimistic. But in the meantime, that I'm just going to posture and buy the men's stuff because it's better than the women's stuff. It sucks, man. Show me a shaving
2: cream for women that is
3: better than Barbasol. I have okay. I'll take your word on that,
2: Karen. Yeah, Pink Tax. Mm-hmm. Yes, this one. This mm-hmm. one feels. I'm not even mad about this. Just just mm-hmm. feels like a fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who wants to go next, Karen? Do you have a hill? Yes, I do. Um. So when you used to go to a coffee shop or when you're um, when you used to pay in cash right before they had those machines that now you're supposed to your, your car is supposed to slide in and have sex with the machine. Yes. You know what I mean? It's yes. like the insertion. You know what I'm talking about? Like For that sure. insertion with the chip, this chip insertion nonsense and freedom pay, which suck my dick on that. <laughs> but like the, the point is when you do that right now on the screen, it comes up. It comes up as like the tip 15%, 20%, like 25%, 25%. And then it's like custom. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like if you had been paying in cash, it's like there's a tip jar. And I think it creates an undue burden on the consumer that is essentially bullying you into feeling like you're a bad person if you don't want a tip for just ordering a drink from a person. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's extra steps. It's like, it's extra steps. Yeah. But it's like, if I'm just ordering a coffee, it's not that, like, you're bringing me the coffee to my table or to my seat. I'm just ordering it. I'm going to pick it up. And I'm going to go. Like, it feels, I feel <laughs> shitty if I don't tip. And I then feel shitty that they make me feel shitty if I don't tip. Because mm-hmm. that's fucking crazy. Why isn't, everything, why isn't everything included in the price anyway in America, just in general?
3: I know, because people, people, just don't the don't goddamn wanna, price. people don't want to pay their workers a substantial enough amount of oh, so money then they so put that it on thing. us, the consumer, yes, absolutely. what i I agree with you completely. This is a great hill. This is a great hill, especially if you're just at a counter ordering food that's already been prepared,
2: a counter, like it's like when you're at the counter and then it's yeah. literally structured for you to not have the same option, like you literally have to go through more steps to be like, no, nah, I think that I think yeah. that this is the price of the thing. you know? <laughs> I, I kind of' I know I kind of don't think that, like you putting a croissant in a bag warrants an extra dollar for a two dollar croissant. You know, I I don't mean to be a dick about it, but like that's not like that's not like coming to a table and giving me service or doing something extra. That's how I feel. And it's like because over time that shit really fucking adds up, Mm -hmm. especially when
3: the default is 25 percent tip, which is which is the case. So then you feel like a dick if you just want to give a 15 or 20 percent tip, which is also should be fine. At least that's something. But the default being 25 percent. oof, that's that's tough. Yeah, peer workers.
1: Exactly. Pay your workers. Pay your
3: workers. Don't depend uh, on
1: us, dicks. Yeah. Pay your workers and then charge me how much it costs, like how much it is fair for you to charge me based yeah, on how I, well I, you are paying your I'm workers. I'm
2: totally fine. I'm fine with that. I yeah. I just think like the idea of like itemized costs when somebody puts 3% for healthcare. care, I feel like I'm on a goddamn plane. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's an extra cost to put my bag in a thing or what I, it's like, it's all part of it. It's all part of the thing. You just want the all-inclusive. I just want yes. the all-inclusive price. Yes. The this is the
1: price. I want a coffee. A fairly paid worker, and I want to be left alone. Yeah, the, and a pleasant experience. Yes, a pleasant experience. Okay, guys, I'm uh, I'm going to call Sanity Corner this week. Ooh. Um, sanity Corner is for when I just anybody who's on hysteria just has something. Nice. Something that brought them joy that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have anything to do with the news cycle. So here's something that brought me some joy this week. Um, I was reading this underground zine called The New Yorker. Mm. And, uh <laughs> haven't heard of it. Um, and I came across <laughs> a short little write-up of a composer named Ellen Reed. She is a obviously a female composer. Who's Wait, Ellen time. Reed. She went to Columbia.
3: I know Ellen Reed. You... I just put this together. She's fabulous. What? Oh, my God. Uh, okay. She wrote is, an opera Grace. called Prism mm-hmm. that yes. won Grace a Knows her Ellen Reed. Name Congrats. dropping Ellen Reed. I'm so sorry. Just talk yeah, about her. Talk she about
1: her. um she wrote a, an opera called Prism and, and it is a it's an opera about, you know, heavy stuff. It's about a sexual assault survivor's kind of psychological journey. Um but it won the Pulitzer and I was listening you can find it on Spotify. I was listening to it. Um and it's really innovative. It's like just the way I just love Music in general, and it just she's she's so talented, and the way that she uses like dissonance, and anyway, it was just like a really intense, beautiful listening experience. And I recommend anybody who enjoys opera music or experimental composition or female composers to check her
3: out. Um, and I can't believe you know I her. I can't believe I know. Yes, she has been composing since I've known her in college. She's brilliant, and she's a lovely, kind, wonderful person who I haven't talked to in a few years. But Ellen, we'll, we'll let you know that. <laughs> gave me the shout out on the pod today. Um, yeah,
2: I
1: just, love her, Big I fan. was like listening to it and I was just it's so confident her compositions are so like mm-hmm. confident and, and smart and I was I just looked her up on Wikipedia to make sure I wasn't giving anybody bad information and I was like, born in nineteen eighty three, what a fucking bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I love people born in nineteen eighty three. We're we're great. Um Okay, uh well I think that's all the time we have this week. Uh, Grace and Kieran, thanks for stopping by. Thanks to Alyssa Master Monica for calling in, and thanks to you. For listening, there will be more Hysteria for you on a very really special episode next week.
2: <laughs>
1: hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video contents every week.
2: Do you want to get knocked out you'll be sorry you want to go and cry no, out to mommy do my one it two step with the bass drum i'm in the coconut make me come yeah. straight from the bottle i start this rum i'ma get get me some no. give them